Only the faintest trace of the gold letters remains. They still shine through, like the memories. I used to believe that my mother's life had started with me, and that before I made my entrance into this world, there was nothing. Nothing, that is, until the midsummer's day when my father, Thomas Hobie, first saw my mother standing under an oak tree in a country lane. This is the story, he told me. When he was a young merchant, with a head full of dreams, he put his hard-earned savings, together with what money his father had left him, into a ship bound for Constantinople, banking on her returning with a cargo of silk. Alas, news reached him that she had been lost in a great storm at sea, so that now he owned nothing but the clothes on his back. In despair, my father walked out of the city and some ten miles into the country, on the chance of being able to borrow money from a distant cousin, a Master Stoop. When he arrived, he found that Master Stoop had given up the never-ending struggle to live and had joined the ranks of the dead, leaving a wife and several small stoops to be looked after. My father had not the heart to ask for anything. Having paid his last respects, he set out mournfully on the road to London, resigned to his fate. It was getting late, when he met a strange-looking man with a long beard tied in a knot, holding a lantern as round as the moon. The stranger told him he had been robbed by a highwayman who had taken all he had owned, leaving him just the lantern. My father felt sorry to hear of this misfortune and offered him his cloak to keep the chill off. The stranger accepted it with thanks. Young man, to travel with an open and loving heart is worth more than all the gold coins in a treasure chest, he said. Tomorrow your kindness will be rewarded. Next morning my father had not gone far when he thought he might be lost, for in the dawn light everything looked different. At this point I, having heard the story so many times that I could repeat it to myself word for word, would interrupt and say, but you were on the right road. He would laugh and reply, It was a road that would lead me to your mother, so how could it be wrong? To my childish way of thinking, it seemed that he met and married my mother in the space of one day. They arrived back in the city after the wedding to be greeted with the astonishing news that his ship had returned safe and sound with a cargo of fine silk. From that day forward, my father's life had been charmed with love and good fortune. No other merchant ships fared as well. Untouched by pirates, wars or tempests, they sailed unmolested in calm seas, bringing back bounty fit for a king. Before long, my father was wealthy enough to be able to build this house for us by the river, where we lived in great luxury, having a cook and servants to look after us, as well as Sam, my father's faithful apprentice. My father had two miniature paintings done of them both, shortly after their wedding. My mother's portrait shows her wearing a cream gown, beautifully embroidered, and oversewn with tiny glimmering pearls. I imagine this is how she looked when my father first saw her, that midsummer's day under the oak tree. Wildflowers are woven into her hair, and in her hand she's holding an oak leaf. The background of this tiny painting always fascinated me. It is as if you're a bird looking down from a great height, seeing the land mapped out below. 
There, in a forest of oak trees, is a clearing in which there is a grand house with formal gardens. In the distance, a tower stands tall over the trees, and I could just make out a figure at the top of the tower, watching over the landscape, searching for something or someone. On the edge of the forest is a hunting party with dogs. Compared to the house and the tower, they look oddly large. A hawk sits on the outstretched arm of one of the riders. Another rider is standing up in his saddle, blowing a horn. I looked at this painting many times before I spotted the white horse and the fox hidden in a thicket. For some reason that I cannot explain, their discovery worried me greatly. It gave me an uneasy feeling, as if somehow nothing was safe. My father's portrait shows him looking young and handsome. He is clean-shaven, wearing breeches and a linen shirt embroidered in the same pattern as my mother's dress. The scene behind him could not be more different. It is a view of a city, with a river running through it like an opal-green ribbon. You could be forgiven for thinking it a picture of London, except that the houses are brightly painted, and mermaids and sea monsters can be seen in the water in amongst a fleet of tall ships with full-blown golden sails. Even then, these two miniatures looked to me strangely out of time, as if they had been painted long, long ago, in another world entirely. Chapter Two The Stuffed Alligator I remember nothing of the trial of King Charles I. I had no knowledge of what was meant by civil war. What I recall is feeling safe and loved, the smell of my mother's perfume, staying up late with my parents while they had their dinner, going to sleep in my mother's arms. Of her kisses, I could tell you much. Of what my mother and father talked about, I could tell you little, except that it made them sad. In truth, I did not understand what momentous events were unfolding or how they were to touch upon our lives. My world revolved round smaller things. A stuffed alligator, a drowned barber, a pair of silver shoes seemed to me just as strange as a king losing his head. That January day, it was snowing, and the river had begun to freeze over. I went running in great excitement to tell Danes, and found her weeping. This in itself was unusual, for Danes was not given to tears. It was nothing short of murder, she said, wiping the tears from her eyes. Who's been murdered? I asked with interest. It's the king, she replied. It is a wicked thing they have done, and no good will come of it. Who has done what? Oliver Cromwell and his axe-man, said Danes. Terrible. Who would think we would live to see our very own king have his head chopped off? We live in dark days, my little sparrow. It being winter, I thought she must be right. Danes blew her nose. The king is dead, she said mournfully. Long live the king. How can he be dead and alive at the same time? I asked. It sounded a very hard thing to do. Because, said Danes, his son, Prince Charles, is alive and well 
and he will, with God's grace, be the next king. It was a bitterly cold winter, and snow had covered London in a thick white blanket, so that an eerie hush had descended over the city. The mighty water wheels at each end of the bridge had stopped their thunderous churning, and huge icicles hung from them as the river slowly began freezing over. Old Father Thames looked as if he was growing a long white beard. A frost fair was soon set up on the frozen river, with tented stalls selling all manner of wonderful things, gloves, hats, lace, pots, pans, needles, marbles, puppet dolls, spinning tops, spiced gingerbread, roasted chestnuts. Master Mullins, the barber, who lived near us in Cheapside, was amongst the first to venture out onto the ice. He set up his small red-and-white striped tent for business and called to his customers, promising them the closest shave in London. People watched the barber from the safety of the riverbank with awe, wondering if the frozen surface was to be trusted. "'Come!' shouted Master Mullins. "'It's as solid as a rock and could take the weight of the devil himself!' To prove his point, he jumped up and down on the glassy surface. Master Mullins became the talk of our street, not because of his ointments for thinning hair, but for the way he plummeted through the ice, taking all his basins and razors with him. I asked Danes what would become of him. "'The meddling old fool,' she said. "'He's most probably set up his tent at the bottom of the river "'and is already open for business and the spreading of gossip.' "'After that I took to imagining Master Mullins "'cutting mermen's hair and trimming the whiskers of sea monsters.' With that thought firmly in my head.